Hi, good afternoon, Pravani, and thanks for having me. I think South Africans were pretty overwhelmed yesterday considering the ongoing court cases and then the announcement that the report should be made public by 5 p.m. And then, you know, when the report was released, it was all of 355 pages long. I think we need to be very cautious as yesterday's report was only part one of a bigger investigation. In a way, we can expect a, uh, a sequel, uh, if I can say that, mm-hmm. quite soon. Like uh, former public protector Tulima Dinsela said in the report, and I quote, this investigation did not touch on the awarding of licenses to the Gupta family and superficially touched on state financing of the Gupta Zuma business while only selecting few state contracts, close quote. I think this was done mainly for issues of time and resources, and the main reason for this report was to help government clear up any misconceptions in the public domain regarding President Jacob Zuma's national executive. Here I'm talking about the ministers, deputy ministers. It was also to prevent any more, uh, you know, trust erosion in the country's state-owned enterprises like ESCOM, Denel, SAA, and Transnet, etc. So I would reckon just sit tight. I expect bigger revelations in the second report, which should be uh, out quite soon. Mm. Uh, Can you give our listeners an idea of the main observations noted by the public protector? Giovanni, I must say that when the report came out yesterday, I wasn't at all surprised, you know, like Lawson said, because most of the information released was just confirmation of what we had already seen in the Sunday papers, like the Jonas 600,000 amount, the 600 million alleged bribe whistleblower accounts of former GCIS CEO Tema Maseko, mm-hmm. uh, faking mentors recalling for what transpired at the Gupta House in Saxon World, and of course, uh, former public enterprises minister Barbara Hogan's account of what happened in 2010. But I think for me, the salient points that emerged from yesterday's 355-page report included, firstly, uh, the report alleged that the Gupta family was privy to information of Inchlanchla Nene's imminent removal in December 2015. Cocta Minister Despin Royan was in the Saxon World area in the days leading up to Nene's removal in December. Uh, Jonas's warning to Nene that he would be removed was, in fact, proven to be true. Then President Zuma could be held liable for not acting on those allegations that members of his executive were pro by the Gupta family. And I also think the dubious surroundings around the Tegata Optiman coal deal, uh, you know, uh, involving um, ESCOM. There were also issues around ESCOM and the fact that its board was not constituted properly. Minister Lynn Brown should have exercised more oversight. And then lastly, there was the issue of the flight to Switzerland that Mineral Resources Minister Mosebenzi's Zwane undertook in late 2015. I think here the issue being a possible conflict of interest and intervention in a private transaction which involved uh, allegedly the Gupta family. Mm. Well, thank you very much for that uh, summary. Uh, you've been listening to SABC News Specialist Political Research Ranesh Dharaj uh, on the line to us from Durban. We continue with legal uh, perspective on the matter and joining us now is Dr. Llewellyn Kerr-Lewis. Dr. Kerr-Lewis, always good to chat to you. First and foremost, your initial impressions of the report? Very good afternoon to you, yes. <clears throat> Indeed, uh, I was very surprised by the fact that uh, President Jacob Zuma and his legal team on the last day of the hearing when the merits were supposed to be adhered to uh, and discussed and uh, deliberated, decided suddenly to withdraw the application. But uh, all in all, uh, like uh, your previous speaker indicated, uh, I do concur with those sentiments. It's not un, uh, uh, it wasn't unwarranted. Everybody expected uh, most of those observations that was made. And, uh, well, whenever we see the outcome of the so-called judicial uh, investigation or inquiry into the matter, we will probably have more clarity and detail with regard to whatever happened there. Mm. Well, 
uh, like everybody's been saying, this report really didn't have the silver bullet we were all looking for because of the way uh, the presidency and the two ministers reacted in in in, in calling for this interdict on uh, the release of the report. So it begs the question: Has was the pr- minister? Uh, and the presidency given proper legal advice uh, regarding the interdict in the first place? Well, uh, obviously there's always the possibility that a person uh, received the wrong legal advice. Uh, But one must remember that uh, we're dealing here with senior counsel. Uh, In other words, senior advocates and attorneys that have been practicing for for very many years. Uh, Not only that, they are... uh, obviously busy with high-profile cases, so one kind of expect that the best of the best will, will, be at, uh, will attend to these matters, which in this event indeed took place. Mm. The fact of the matter is a client uh, gives the instructions, and obviously uh, the lawyer, whether it's the attorney or advocate, is always only the conduit pipe of the instructions of the client. In other words, if your client insists that you go to court, whether you like his uh, instructions or not, that is your ob- instruction and your obligation to proceed with. But that being said, on the one hand, there's always the prerogative by a court to investigate the, uh, the, 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 the lawyer's attitude, the lawyer's responsibilities, whether they gave correct advice or not. Uh, and they can intervene and actually uh, order that the lawyers be personally held responsible for the legal costs as a result of uh, given wrong, giving wrong advice. In this instance, the court didn't do so, indicative of the fact that as far as the judges in the full base was concerned, there was nothing wrong with with whatever the, the lawyers did here. Yeah. The, the, the person to be blamed here is the person against whom the special cost order was made person. So um, that is that is uh, indicative of how the court sees it. I'm just wondering then, uh, Dr. Kalouis, uh, you know, the, the the fact that the, the presidency's legal team was so quick to withdraw the interdict yesterday, first thing in the morning at the North Gauteng High Court, do you think perhaps they were privied to the report and that it wasn't as saucy as we expected it yeah. to be? not as damaging as they yeah. kind of expected uh, and anticipated. Yes, I do concur with that sentiment. And that is probably the reason why they threw in the, the, the child at that stage. Instead of incurring another day's legal costs or another possible couple of days of legal costs, uh, which can amount to another millions of rands, they decided, but listen, uh, why don't we just let it go? Mm. Because really the implications are not that uh, prejudicial to, uh, to uh, our client, being the president in this instance. Uh, so... Let, let, the, let the law take its course. Yeah, I do agree with that sentiment. All right. So just on the point of the president possibly infringing the executive ethics code, firstly, tell us which code uh, this, the public protector is referring to and, and, and how important is it for any sitting president to adhere to this executive ethics code? Well, one must always remember that uh, every, all laws, including uh, that relating to the president, uh, is underpinned by the Constitution and constitutional pr- uh, uh, principles. So that is the upper legal guardian uh, of, of everything we do, whether in what capacity we act uh, personal or otherwise. But there is obviously also a special ethics act that is applicable in the case of uh, LPs. In this instance, uh, all members of Parliament must adhere to that, and there can be some investigations done and even uh, uh, legal actions taken. Uh, after such an uh, investigation has been uh, concluded, where the president 
different members of parliament, including the ministers, whether they are referred to in that report or otherwise, have contravened these, uh, these principles pertaining that legislation. Thank you very much. You've been listening to legal analyst Dr. Llewellyn Kerr-Lewis on the line to us from Cape Town. If you'd like to add your voice to any of uh, the stories we've been airing here on Midday Life, please do so. You can SMS us 34701. Those SMSs will cost one rand. You can also 